In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I am Aaron. And I am Patch. Excellent. Same people. We're back again. And we are here for a brand new format for you. Um, Or we have today a brand new format for you. Today what we're going to do is a little different than what we've done our first two episodes. If you've been listening and following with us thus far, this may be a surprise. We are calling this our Quick Picks episode type. And what we're going to do in these episodes is we are each going to choose a film that has a significant meaning or value to us at some point in our life. And we're going to individually discuss those. And there, there will be some dialogue back and forth, I'm sure. But usually we're going to try to keep these films to a movies that are currently available either via streaming or rental so that they're easy for you to go out and get. And these are also going to be spoiler-free reviews. So treat these more as a recommendation than a full-on review and in-depth conversation. Uh, Again, we'll always be focusing on the positive aspects, the redeeming qualities of the film, and our emotional response. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd also like to add on that our hope really is that you guys would check these out for yourself. Obviously, movies are probably the most subjective of art forms, um, or at least argumentatively they might be. But what we want to hope, our hope is that you guys would check them out. And um, if you've seen them, to follow up and you know, t- uh, write to us on Facebook, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what your favorite thoughts were. Um, and what, what your favorite parts were. We'd really love to get you guys in on the conversation. But it's really just, you know, just a really an opportunity for us to uh, get you guys to see these if you want and, and to jump in on the conversation. So we're excited to talk to you about it, about our two movies. Um, and Yes, so speaking of that, yes. um, I, I guess I'm going to let you kick this thing off. What is your movie? Well, I'm going to start by saying it's... It, it, it's an Irish thing. That's a terrible Irish accent. I'm not even going to try to yeah. do that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So the film that I wanted to talk about was a movie called, it's a movie called Waking Ned Divine. And it's an Irish comedy. And I was introduced to it back in college, circa 2000, 2001. I was starting my senior year. I was moving in. I had brand new roommates and... What, uh, as I was moving in, one of my new roommates was playing this insanely fun Irish music. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of just Irish music. I like, I just love the feel of it, the, the rhythm, the energy of it. And he was playing it and I said, dude, what is that? And he goes, oh, that's the Waking the Divine soundtrack. And I said, what's Waking the Divine? And he gives me this look like I'd just run over his pet cat or something like <laughs> how dare you even just think that you haven't you haven't seen waking Ned divine what 
And so 10 minutes later, we're sitting on the couch uh, with me and him and our other two roommates. Uh, and we're popping in this movie. And it, I have to tell you guys, it was probably one of the most fun movie experiences I've, I've ever had. You know, it centers around these two guys, Jackie O'Shea and Michael O'Sullivan. And I can't help but just want to say Jackie O'Shea and Michael O'Sullivan, you know. Those are, those are very Irish names. They're, <laughs> you couldn't get more Irish than names that have O's. No, they are definitely Irish. But they come from a small town of a place called Tullymore. Um, and they attempt to discover who has won the local jackpot. That's how the movie opens with the jackpot being uh being being done like the the powerball type thing being being announced and uh the 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 jackpot's around 6.9 million irish pounds which rounds out to about 9 million us dollars so i had to look that up and go how much is that actually and i was pretty surprised that it was actually more than uh than than what i thought but anyway so they find out it's this guy named named ned divine and so they pay him a visit only to find out that he's passed away. That's not a spoiler. This happens like in the first probably 15 minutes. But um, not wanting the money to go to waste, they attempt to um, find a Coerce. Way. Coerce, Coerce, yeah. Coerce the village. Yeah. Yeah, to convince the man coming to town that one of these individuals is, is Ned Devine. And when you say the man coming to town, you're talking about the lottery guy, Yes, right? the lottery guy, right. So, so he's coming to confirm it. Exactly, yeah. So the whole movie uh, deals with that and the whole aftermath. And, you know, what I, what I really, really love about that is that it's just a simple story. There's nothing, there's nothing insanely compelling about it. There's nothing, like, intriguing. Like, there's no, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? It's... It's like a day in the life of these people with this weird thing that's happened. <laughs> I love the fact that the the lottery is the big it seems like the lottery is the biggest thing that's happened to these guys. And even as big as it is, it doesn't affect the whole town. Like it only affects maybe um maybe 20 people who actively play. It's mentioned in the in the story that that only about 20 people are actively involved. In, in playing playing the lottery, so it's and these are these are old guys, right? Yes. So they, they're they're at the end of their rope, essentially. There's some some old gentlemen. Exactly. Either one of these two guys would would be like your grandfather, right? They they just they, they come across as these just real simple, um, nothing very unassuming, and that's really what a lot of these characters in in this town come across as. Nobody is. Nobody's spectacular. Nobody stands out as like, oh, that's the so-and-so character type or that's the this kind of character type. They're just normal people. And so when you take a story like this and you put it on top of these guys that live in this town, it's really just like, it's like watching a slice of life movie. You're just kind of watching these guys and how they, uh, how they respond to this situation. Um, in particular, I will say this, the opening scene of the movie. Pure gold grabs you oh it's amazing i have watched this a number of times and recently enough obviously for this particular uh for this particular podcast and i have to tell you i laugh out loud even harder at this moment because that scene sets the tone not only for what the movie is going to be about 
but how you are going to respond to it. And we're not talking like bridesmaids laughing out loud. We're talking about just, just real clever, dry, like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious physical comedy and verbal comedy kind of mixed into one. So if that doesn't get you wanting to see it, then I have not done this movie justice. Um, what I love, I also love the intertwining of other smaller stories that are taking place. It's not just this one big one, but other plots that are that are going on. There's a there's a uh, there's a couple. Uh, well, not a couple. There's a guy named Finn and his romance with this woman named Maggie. He's a pig farmer, and <laughs> you notice that throughout the movie, she claims that that's the reason why he can't be with her. And it's it's almost hilarious, but you kind of feel sorry for the guy. And he stinks everywhere and he goes. He stinks everywhere. Yeah. So there's jokes that are played to that. Um, there's also a relationship between between a little boy, um, actually Maggie's son, and a a local minister who's who's substituting for another minister who's out of town, and they have a couple of really, really just just fun little scenes. Um, the, the whole cast—they're just precious. It's just slice of life, non-threatening, homegrown. I just love the regularity of them. I love the fact that nobody has to be anything more than just unapologetically who they are. Um, as I mentioned before, the music is phenomenal. I have, since since I was in high school, I loved movie soundtracks, whether they be music scores or actual soundtracks like Wayne's World or things like that. And what I've found is that, for me, a soundtrack is the best for me when it can stand on its own, apart from the movie that it's in, and when it amplifies or elevates the movie that it's a part of. And this soundtrack does absolutely that. I listen to it on its own quite a bit, especially during like the, uh, the spring months when, I, when, when just life feels more energetic, sorry to get poetic on you. But inside the film, it fits. Like the, the songs by Sean Davey, the, the composer, just fits so well along with the other local bands or whatever that they've, they've pulled in for, for this. So the, the, the music, what, what, draw, what drew me in, still stands on its own. It's just one of the great, great things. Uh, let's see what else was there. The dialogue. There's, such, there's like a nonchalantness to it. It's almost as if we took a camera into this town of Tullymore and we just, we just picked up you know, conversations here and there. But for an American, what, what, I'm under, what, I, understood, what, what I really kind of gra- grabbed onto was the fact that I don't think half these lines would have been as funny or as sincere or as compelling if an American accent was behind them. Like the fact <laughs> that they were Irish accents, certain things are said that make me just laugh because of the way they're said. You know, it's kind of like when you, when you run into somebody from Britain and you're like, hey, say this, or hey, say that. Like I love, I love the Australian accent. So when I hear Hugh Jackman, when he's actually talking during an interview or Henry Cavill, I'm always amazed. Even though I know these guys are Australian, I'm going, dude, can 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 you say about? Can you, <laughs> yeah. can you say uh, can you say down under? You know, and I'm just it's, I know that's completely offensive, but the dialogue is just it's just 
thickened with wonderfulness because of the fact that these guys are Irish and the Irish accent itself is just so beautiful and so oh, yeah. fun. Um, totally does feel like you're just kind of watching them. You're not it doesn't feel like a script as yeah. much as it feels like you said, like there's hidden cameras. Yeah. And this is really just how it is. Yeah. And I noticed that the way the scenes are cut together they are a bit disjointed. As I was watching this from a technical standpoint, I was going, okay, that scene doesn't necessarily bleed into that. So you could you could say it's uneven, but you kind of lose that. You lose that criticism because of just the scenes themselves uh, stand on their own. Like I'm, by the time I'm done with watching a scene with Maggie and Finn, um, we're moving to the next scene back to back to the two old men. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, here we are now. It doesn't necessarily stop the whole overall plot, but it doesn't necessarily push it forward. And so it's the pacing is almost forgivable because of the fact that these scenes are so adorable. These scenes are so just... Very- it draws you in for yeah, sure. It absolutely does. Thanks, yeah. Um, I think one of the best parts about the movie is how the characters go about trying to figure out who won. So the first third of the movie is really about that. And then how that introduces more of the characters in the story. It's a great way to bring in exposition. We start finding out backstories behind these characters as these these two protagonists are kind of talking to more people about who who they think might have won the, the lottery. And I thought that was really an interesting way to go about giving backstory instead of just saying, here are so-and-so and so-and-so, and this is where they're from, and this is what they do what I love about this is we don't know anything beyond just kind of where they are in life right now. I mean, we know Finn's a pig farmer, but that's about it. We don't know anything else and we don't really care. We don't care what these guys do for a living. We just know that they're all from the small town of Tullymore. And, and that's reemphasized with some of the dialogue that one of the fears is that what will happen to this town if everybody gets this money? I mean, will they leave? Will that change the town? And there's some really great, dialogue that explores that so i thought just there's some there's some good heart in that um one of my emotional takeaways was that i just I grinned the entire time the first half of the movie was hilarious and the back half of the movie was sincere and romantic i mean there was still humor in there but you could tell that the tonal shift was more into just getting at the heart of where these guys come from it's a movie that doesn't feel like it takes itself seriously and it doesn't try to be bigger than the story it's telling. I mean, it's not a, it's not an allegory. It's, it's as if it's saying, this is the story we're telling, and we want you, the audience, to enjoy it first and foremost, and pull out what you want in terms of what your moral value is. Are you, yeah. you know, is there, is there a, you know, is is there a situation where are you looking at this and like, what do you do with money? You know, when you have the opportunity to do this, is there some morality conflict that you're faced with sure you can get that but at the heart of it it's the the director and the writers and the whole team are all saying enjoy watching these guys from this small town live out their lives with this big event that has taken place um yeah that's completely what i thought too and and i watched this um earlier this year after you had you've recommended it for several years now i finally got around to accepting the recommendation and checking it out. And uh, I thought the same thing. I mean, I immediately fell in love with this film is just completely charming and delightful. Everything you've said 
is so so true um it's just it's such a happy time and and what you your emotional takeaway was i would completely agree i had the same experience i grinned the whole time i watched the movie i had the biggest smile on my face and even after the ending i just it just never went away i just enjoyed being with these characters so much yeah yeah it's 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 a I think something that we'll explore as we continue to dive into different movies from our different formats is, does it have a rewatchability factor? Is that factor pretty high? And this one absolutely does. I oh, definitely. I want to visit this several times and times when I feel like I need to see something that's very upbeat and other times when I feel like, you know what? I don't want to have to think too much, you know, and it's not, it's not a brain, it's not brainless entertainment for sure. I mean, there's definitely some thought that went into the story, but the the themes of altruism and community and doing you know doing something uncomfortable for the sake of something wonderful sometimes i think movies in general we we need to experience those things and when we have familiar places that we can go to that feel safe for us that's a really great thing and waking the divine does that for me from the moment that i experienced it my senior year in college um, that theme of doing something uncomfortable. I mean, I was getting new roommates for my last year of college, and I was like, whoa, what's going to happen here? And that was a bonding moment for me, and that helped me feel safe in some weird way. And in, in a sense, I think Waking the Divine is attached to that. So I have that kind of light, you know, that flashbulb memory that's really, really good for me. It's awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's a fantastic recommendation. I will add, uh, just to wrap that one up, that... The film, I don't actually don't know what it's rated. I should know. I should have looked it up. Maybe we'll get that to you at the end of this podcast. We'll jump in and we'll tell you what it's rated. Um, do you know? You don't know either. I don't. No, I don't. Okay. I'll, I'll so find we'll get that. Finish, we'll yeah. get that back to you at the end of the at the podcast. But what I can tell you is, it is a family friendly film. Uh, that's what I was going with here. Is that it's one that I will watch with my um, thirteen and eleven year old kids. I'm excited to have them experience this film. I think they're going to just get a kick out of it. These these old men that are the leads just truly do feel like they could be your grandfather. <laughs> oh, they actually feel like they they feel like I want my grandfather to be like. Like I would be thrilled to have one of these guys be my granddad. <laughs> so, so good stuff there. All right. So, what's that? No, I was just going to say let's let's move into your movie. I'm I'm excited to hear about yours. Okay, cool. So, switching gears a little bit, um Patrick talked to you guys about a, a comedy there, and I'm going to talk to you about something that's it's, it's also got some comedy in it, but there's a lot of drama as well. Uh, this is a movie from 2013 called Short Term 12, and if you don't know anything about this, um, it was very, very quietly received. I don't know why exactly this movie did not get promoted well. Um, it did not get the awards nominations that it probably deserved, but it is one of the best movies of that year. Um, it is a personal favorite, and from the moment I first saw it, it was uh, instantly going into my my top 100 list. Um, after watching it a second time in depth, uh, I, I place it in my top 50 of all time at this point. So what the movie is, uh, is... It revolves around a 20-something supervising staff member of a residential treatment facility. And it's all about how she and her coworkers navigate the troubled waters of that world uh, and try to 
interact with these kids and bring them joy and safety uh, in their lives. The cast, this is Brie Larson's breakout moment. I'm actually not sure if Brie Larson did anything before this film, but many of you may know Brie Larson uh, won the Best Actress Oscar this year in 2016 for her performance in Room. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. So this one, I will tell you my personal opinion is that this performance is better than her performance in Room. Uh, Room is different because it's a little more of a tortured experience that she has to go through there. And she does, she's amazing in both. But uh, she's absolutely equally incredible in this film. Uh, also in the cast, John Gallagher Jr., personal favorite of both you and I. Um, he was in the Newsroom yes. uh, TV series written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. We're both big Sorkin fans, so we like his stuff. Um, and then John Gallagher Jr. was also in the recent Ten Cloverfield Lane, another favorite of ours from this year. Uh, additionally, the third main staff member, a little bit of a lesser role in the film, is played by a guy named Rami Malik. Oh, uh, yeah, I know him. He was in. Um, he's in a USA movie not not movie um uh, 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 um mr robot yeah it's a a summer a summer series on the usa network came out last really yeah he's huh yeah i've watched a few episodes of that and he is wow he's good let me just say wow i had no idea but but looking at his face i can tell you that it's not surprising to me that he plays something called mr robot (laughs) uh i know him from a video game actually that came out in 2015 called until dawn oh, okay it's like a narrative driven experience uh and he's one of the main characters in that video game so, so he voices but, a character is that right he does but the characters are actually look just like their real life actors wow uh, okay yeah and so i mean the moment i saw him i was like hey that's josh from until dawn <laughs> <laughs> and i went and looked it up and sure enough he was yeah yeah so yeah so the movie is a rotten tomato score of 99 percent I'm not kidding you here. Like, if I'm not just the only one. It's just that a lot of people haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Metacritic score is like 82%. So it is really that good. So as I said, really what this movie revolves around is these three or these, you know, mainly these two uh, 20-somethings that are staff members. You've got Brie Larson's character, Grace, and you've got her uh, longtime boyfriend, John Gallagher Jr.'s character, uh, and they are, they, they keep their relationship away from the kids. So that's, that's one of the, the great takeaways I have watching this is you never, the romance never goes to a place that is in your face. Um, it, it, you know, they, they act like friends, and you would, you would never know that they have a relationship outside of this, this troubled youth home. Um, they do a great job of putting the kids first when they're there is the way I, the, what, what I took out of it. For me, this is an essential film. And the reason is that it provides us with a glimpse of the pain that many children struggle with, uh, and the compassion that adults can have to help them understand their world and to, I don't know, usher in a healing process of sorts. Um, this, this place that they are in is meant to be a safe environment for troubled kids until the parents can come get them, uh, or until the parents can handle them until they can get new parents or until they turn 18. Um, so the film, what the film really seeks to do is address the stigma 
that's associated with foster kids um, or neglected youth. And at one point, there's a great dialogue moment where one of the characters says says to the kids, you know, I, he's being introduced. And he says, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I've I, I you know, I was in college and I, I took off a summer because I really wanted to get some life experience working with neglected youth and, and see what that was all about. And they're just staring at him like. Like, did you just say that to us, you know, oh, and 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 it hit me because that moment made me feel like that's what something like I might say that. Right. Like you're, you're just being honest. There's no there's nothing there's nothing evil or wrong or rude about this character. This this uh, staff member that says that mm-hmm. he's being completely honest, but it's how the kids receive that. Yeah. It's what his perception is of the kids. Yeah. And of course, you know, throughout the film, that's going to change. Um, they, the way that the film shows Grace and her coworkers as so composed, uh, in their dealings with these kids. I mean, these kids are, these kids are cutters. Um, these kids are suicidal at times. They've been beaten by their parents. They've been sexually abused. And, you know, some of these things will come out in the film, the different characters as they're explored and they are developed but the way that the staff members are able to you know get spit on or hit or screamed at and cussed out and just stay even keeled and just you know keep their composure and and put those kids first and understand that it's just a moment it's kind of it's something that a lot of parents have to learn as well you know just with your everyday growing up with your own kids is sometimes you just gotta let your kids scream it out (laughs) and it doesn't mean that they don't love you. It doesn't mean that they are going to do that for the rest of their life. But for that couple of minutes, they need that outlet. And the staff members are there to, in a safe way, provide that outlet for the kids. Do you feel like when you watch this, it sounds like there could be some discomfort from the viewer because you're watching these moments that are real raw. Um, do you feel like that's not only because of the depiction, but because of the accuracy that might exist in these types of places? I do. I think that it is extremely accurate and authentic. Um, I believed every single child that was in this film was a a portrayal of a, of a real kid's struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that the, the actors have to handle that or the, the act, not the actors, but I guess they're the actors, but the way that the staff members, uh, in the that are working with the kids have to deal with that are depicted in a very authentic way mm-hmm. um, and they they give very raw and powerful performances um, and the the staff members are dealing with their own stuff as as well i mean as, as in any good drama you know everybody's got to kind of have their own thing yeah. and so the movie does i don't want to give too much away but you know the movie's constantly dealing with what the staff members have going on outside the doors mm-hmm in their own lives and how that's informing their responses to the kids and also how the kids actions are influencing and changing the way in which they're dealing with the staff members are dealing with their own problems. So it's, it's kind of a give or take and you know, the kids don't always know that they're helping the adults, right? Uh, But the adults are always putting the kids first and sometimes to a destructive, you know, level at times in their own lives. So yeah, it's it's very difficult to deal with at times. I will say, um, I think the movie's rated R. This is not one I would watch with young children. 
but I think that, as I said, an essential film for all adults because it really, it really changed my perspective on this whole system. I, I knew nothing about foster kids. I knew nothing about neglected youth in homes um, and what they might go through. And this made me feel a little bit guilty for that. Um, it took, it took me from laughter to tears and back. Uh, it had a great way of just bouncing from moment to moment and never staying in one place so long that it became overwhelming Mm -hmm. on me. Um, and it just, it's provided me a better perspective about what there could be going on with these kids, what any child could be dealing with and suffering underneath that you're not going to see on the surface. It sounds like it's a movie that challenges our assumptions about troubled teens. 100% true. It absolutely does. And it, and then it also brings in the hope for and respect for those, those people that are sacrificing their lives um, so that they can love these kids and meet them where they are. Gotcha. That's good. They're completely sacrificing in a lot of ways what their life could be like. Because these kids come first. That's interesting. It makes me, knowing what I know about, see, from a, from just a just from a, a depiction standpoint, seeing a guy like Malik, who I know him as a hacker from Mr. Robot, to, <laughs> to see him in this role um, would be a really interesting taste to to receive. Um, and that that in and of itself, I think, is compelling for me, just to see how he looks in. In, in these things in that's it. good man yeah he i i reckon he's probably very different he he certainly is kind of bringing being brought along you know by the other two okay and he's being taught um and he's learning as he goes and, and he learns a lot of good lessons and in fact the one of the absolute best scenes in the film best two scenes really are the first and the last they they kind of tie to each other i can't give it away because they're too good the first scene is one of the best first scenes I've seen in a film, the opening, the way in which they introduce us to these characters and introduce us to this facility is brilliantly done. Um, and it right from the start, it shows you how well-crafted the dialogue is and how incredible the acting is going to be, how realistic that, that these guys are going to portray these characters for us. Um, so yeah, I can't recommend the film enough. Uh, like I said, it's absolutely one of my all-time faves already. Um, what I would encourage people to do is to see it and to think about its impact on your life. Uh, I'm not saying that this film is going to create a philanthropist in you, or a philanthropy is probably not the right word, but it's not going to create a uh, someone who's going to necessarily go out and work with uh, neglected youth. But you never know. You know, Maybe this is someone's calling to do that. And I don't want you to miss that. If if this tugs on your heart, I want you to pay attention to that um, and maybe explore it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to cry. I'll tell you that up front. It is a movie that will bring you to tears. Many men have confirmed these things with me on Twitter, that I am not the only man who was brought to absolute tears and completely wrecked by this movie emotionally. <laughs> so take that as evidence that you have a heart. So it, this... <laughs> it, would, it, it would be safe to say to watch this one and then Waking the Divine so you, you kind of come back from the dark place. Yes, 
<laughs> yes, you're right. This would be a great one to watch because it's a happy cry in the end, but there are some moments during it too that are not. And this would be a good one to watch and then let Waking Dead Divine bring your spirits back up uh, <laughs> to a good place. But yeah, yeah. Short Term 12 leaves a mark. Um, I highly recommend that you go see it. Also highly recommend that you go see Waking Dead Divine. Absolutely. That's our recommendations for this week. Patrick, what are we doing next? Well, I'm getting some sleep here in a little bit, but barring from that, next week, our next um, next episode is going to center around what we're calling a second chance pick, and this is going to be where we basically look at a movie that's gotten critically negative reception or just overall negative reception and try to find some redeeming value in it. So next week, we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, the Hugh Jackman led Pan. I'm excited because Hugh Jackman's in it. Um, I got less excited because the critics thought it was well. We'll get into that, but we're going to be checking that out next week, and we're excited to go through that and and see what uh, see what it has to offer for us. Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to uh, exploring that one as well and seeing what we can pull out of it. Seeing what we can find that is you know positive and redeeming and uplifting and uh, and just good because it can't be as bad as they are saying i just refuse to believe it it's based on a disney story <laughs> and it has fairies and hugh jackman come on it can't be that bad and flying pirate ship i mean how can it be that bad it can't be that bad right my hope is my hope is high for this one okay we're crossing our fingers that we can we can find something good in this one all right guys so that's it for us we're trying to keep this one short for you um as always we love interaction patrick mentioned this before you can find me on Twitter at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. You can actually find me all over the web using that handle, Facebook, uh, Instagram, anything you want. Go ahead and look for me. Creep, um, creeper, you're everywhere. You, you can creep, creep, go ahead, stalk me, <laughs> all you want. Um, you can find the show, you can interact with the show on Twitter and Facebook as well at Feelin Film, F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M. And you can check our website out at you know, http colon backslash backslash feelandfilm.com uh, as well. We love it when you rate and review the show. Um, we've had several. We're very thankful for those already. That's amazing. The feedback is what drives us to keep going. Um, it's an enjoyable thing for us to interact with all of you guys as well. Uh, we've had some of that on Twitter and Facebook already. And it's probably just the most joyous part of our day when that happens. So we do want to hear what you have to say and what you think about both of our reviews, uh, or both the reviews of this, these films, our previous episodes, and just film in general. What, what are you watching? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, if you have suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. Go see the movies if you can. Find them. Download them. Do whatever you need to do to, to catch them. And we'd love to hear what you guys think of these. Sounds good. So we will see you next week covered in fairy dust. Hopefully. All righty. See ya.